0: you have your Bibles? Uh, we're in the book of Matthew chapter 6. I kicked off a series this year called A Jack of All Trades uh, because I don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. There are certain areas of my life that I want to master. And I'm highlighting, you know, five areas of your life. If you can master some of these areas in your life, I'm telling you, life will go pretty well for you. So we talked about mastering your spiritual life, which in a very simple sense has to do with mastering daily devotions. I've yet to see somebody who's had consistent daily devotions backslide from the Lord. We talked about uh, mastering your thought life, processing pain, and the ability to perceive truth. Last week, we talked about your physical body, and that's something that's often not taught, especially in the American church, but the body is the temple of of the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'm going to highlight relationships. Man, if there ever was a time in a culture where we need to get good at relationships, it's this one. But today, I want to talk about one of the areas people might struggle the most, and that has to do with money. Money, 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 money. Let's read Jesus' words. Matthew 6, verse 19. Here's what he said. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. But lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I just thank you for people here today or people who maybe will be watching or listening to this later. And I pray for 30, 60, and 100 fold a word that would bring forth fruit. Father, we thank you for your heart in this, that we'd hear it today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, I was reading in the news, in Germany, people are dropping out of church in droves because they don't want to pay the church tax. It's a little known fact. In Germany, they have a policy, which is called Kirchensteuer, which is a payroll tax that goes to clergy you make $3,500 a month, $46 of that ends up going through your taxes to support churches. If you were baptized as a child, if your parents were enrolled in church membership and your name got on the rolls, you're stuck in that tax. And so they've had thousands of Germans who've left the Catholic and Protestant churches because they wanted to opt out of that tax. Now, I personally would rather give my money than have it be taxed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'd rather have it just be a free gift. Speaking of which, we do have some giving statements out in the foyer, and you can pick those up. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about money. Jesus said here in verse 21, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And when I think about that verse, here's what comes to me, is that the way that we handle money says more about your character than anything else. Because your heart really is who you are, and it reveals the things you care about the most. Now, this is a personal observation of mine, but I'm making it in light of what Jesus said here in verse 21 about your heart and your treasure. And it is hard to trust people who cannot handle money. And put it another way, if you cannot handle money, it's really hard to trust people. Now, we got my good friend, Mike Ware, coming uh, to the marriage conference coming up. I'm excited to have him in town. And, you know, man, he's a blessing. He oversees churches. He has uh, an accountant background. And so he's really good with money. He had a friend he was overseeing recently down in Houston. And the guy was, you know, doing pretty well with church, but they had some financial problems. Mike went down there to kind of investigate, look at it, and they found out that the pastor was basically, you know, mismanaging the money taking it, paying for vacations and other things like that. And they had to let him go. And boy, I'll tell you, I, I'm sure grateful for good stewardship. I'm, I'm grateful that Mike Ware was able to you know, bring some leadership to that. I, I'm grateful for a church in which we can handle money because I've been in places where, man, I'm amazed at what happens because there's very little accountability. But it speaks to the heart. See, Jesus in this statement, he, he's not talking about wealth, if you live in America, you're among the wealthiest 5% of people in the world. That means everybody in the room is richer than 95% of the rest of the world. What Jesus is addressing is about loyalties. And loyalties, really, what that speaks of is your debt, your devotion. Your devotion to things is what determines the direction. We're saying things like, so when we say that, you know, money mirrors your character. We're saying things like, are your bills paid? I mean, it's amazing to me. I come across and talk to people who don't get bills paid. Uh, Can you afford to service the debt that you have acquired? Are you honest and ethical in your dealings with taxes? Is your family, your wife aware of what you've done in situations with money? Because these are things I've come across and seen in life. Uh, are you honoring God with the first of what you have? Or is it just lip service? You know, it's an interesting thing. I've been on church staff where you've got people who want to be on staff, want to be in the ministry and can't contribute financially all the while assuming that they can get paid from churches when they can't even contribute to them. And so sometimes we got to get you know priorities lined up. So I'm just going to teach you this morning how you can master money. You know, money it is a tricky thing for a lot of people. And the old translations of the Bible actually refer to money as filthy lucre. Interesting <laughs> right. phraseology. Paul's the one who in 1 Timothy 6 said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and so what we see is that you know, money can be a problem for people, but money is something that can also be mastered in your life. Now, Jesus had more to say about money than any other person in the Bible, eleven of his thirty-nine parables were about money. That means that twenty-five uh, percent, a quarter, a little more than a quarter of what he talked about in parables had to do with the handling of finances. You know, I had the idea that when we started the church, if we would simply be good stewards and manage things, that it would go well with us. And I'm sure grateful for Pastor Daniel. He is a uh, wonderful administrative gift. And, and has integrity and handles money well, and it's a joy to be able to have oversight from people and, and understand that your money is taken care of and in good shape. So we're grateful and appreciative for that. Now, when Jesus talked about money, I want to highlight the 33rd verse. And this is probably a verse that you know and might be familiar with. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said this. He said, "'Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness.'" And he said, and all these things shall be added to you. The first thing we could tell you about mastering money has to do with establishing your priorities. Establish what your priorities are. You know, your priorities are things that take precedence. Uh, they're the things of importance. The number one thing in your life is a priority. It's, it's, it's where your priorities exist. And the first thing... The first priority we have should be to seek first the kingdom. See, uh, that means that Jesus comes first place in my life. Uh, The kingdom of God is my preeminent priority because I'm submitted to him. He's taken ownership over my life. He is the shepherd of my soul. So before certain needs that I have, before desires and wants, and even before Family choices, the first thing, the first priority I have is Jesus and my relationship with God. It's the first thing in my life. This is demonstrated, first of all, through simply tithing. Now, I'm a tither. I'm a lifelong tither. I've given the first portion uh, of my income to the Lord all my days. I was trained that way since I was little. And I joke about it because I even did that when I was backslidden and I wanted God to bless my rebellious time and my beer money. And he did. He blessed me. I tithe. (laughs) Saved. I got taken care of. I got out of that mess. But I tithe because it works. I tithe because it is a solution to spiritual problems. I've seen people who sometimes they just seem to struggle. They can't get through things. And I'm telling you, the tithe turns things around. It's the most remarkable thing. I tithe because I want to further God's kingdom. Uh, That's how missions work. That's how the world is reached. It's it's through finances. It takes giving. I tithe because it honors and pleases God. He said, if you give him... The first portion, it's an honor to him. I tithe because it blesses me. I can't explain how you give him 10% and he takes the 90% and seems to multiply it and make it better than if you had the whole 100%. I don't understand that, but he does it. So my first priority is there. Now, don't get me wrong. I got a whole lot of other priorities in life too. And my priorities, I write them down. That's called a budget. I love preaching up about budgets because... I'll ask people if they have a budget, and they nod, but they, have, they can't produce one for me. It's not written down somewhere. It's on their head in numbers. And it's really incredible how people say one thing, but they don't actively live by that. Anyone ever heard of Jordan Peterson? He's a Canadian psychiatrist. He's taken the internet by storm because he's got uh, terrific insights into something. And he's teaching students to do something that's called uh, auth- future authoring write down where you want to be in five years, write the best things that could happen to you, and then write down the worst places you could be in your life. And he says it's the number one class that he teaches on, and people are eating it up because very few people actively write down goals and things that they want to conquer financially. And I'm just amazed. I mean, my priorities are my goals. They're the things that matter to me, and they're written down. So I've got priorities like my family. And when you have a family like we do, that means that, There's certain things that take precedent over my own wants. I have made certain sacrifices, you know, for the family. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, if a man cannot provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. I mean, that sounds pretty terrifying. You got to be able to take care of those that you're overseeing, those in your household. That's what the Bible tells us to. It's an honorable thing to to take care of children, your wife. Uh, I've also got daily needs. Look back up at verse number 31. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't worry, asking yourself, what shall we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? He said, after these things, the whole world is seeking after. He, in other words, everyone's looking for you know, clothing, housing, food. Everyone it, it needs those things. But he said that your father knows you need these things before you even ask him for them. Because he's not seeing the righteous forsaken. Nor seed, bag and bread, and if you've got your priorities lined up, written down, and disciplined with them, God has always managed to take care of me in situations. My priorities may have to do with you know certain desires and wants I want in my life. Things like date nights for a wife. You know, Elizabeth and I just got back from Chico last week. We had a great time. I budgeted for that. We planned for that. We made that a priority to do those things. There's, there's vacations and things I want to do and take my family on. There's little, I want to have enough money so I can take the kids to go see Sing Too if I'd like to, you know? And I have that budgeted and planned for, so it doesn't sneak up on us. Yeah. In verse 34, Jesus mentioned your future. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, worry about its own things. I have, at certain times in my life, fallen into the trap of trying to always figure out what's going to take place in the future, and and you want to control it, and and you try to do everything you can to plan around it, and I've decided sometimes the wisest thing you can do is is focus on what the priority is in the moment. So I've got a budget in place, in the moment, with the things that we have to take care of. One of my priorities has to do with retirement. Jesus was talking about the future. But one thing people don't do well at, especially younger people, is planning for retirement. Now, I was talking to a financial advisor. He asked me when I'd like to retire. I said, well, 68, maybe 70. I said, you know, if the Lord tarries by the time I get to be 70, people will still be working because ain't nobody my age planned for retirement. (laughs) And I said, I like what I do. And and, and he kind of laughed. He said, you know, you're one of the most refreshing people I've talked to on that because Everybody doesn't, no one likes what they do, they get frustrated, they haven't planned for it, and they get stressed out by it. But if your priorities are established, if you know what they are, if they're written down, if you've listed them in order, if the kingdom of God is first place, and you follow through them, it's very easy to master money. It's as simple as establishing your priorities. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, let me give you a second thought about mastering money. And instead of working my way forward, I'm working my way backwards through Jesus' words here in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, look at verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. He said, you're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And he said, you cannot serve God and money. Can't serve God and mammon. Here's a second thought about money. You should not trust in money. Don't trust in money. The word mammon is the Aramaic thought of material, And it's referring to riches, wealth, and maybe the thought of materialism. Kind of like the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of greed that's at work in the world today. Now, I watched an interview with a man whose name I can hardly pronounce. Shamath Patabalow. I don't know his last name. He's like a Sri Lankan man who happens to have a minority stake in the Golden State Warriors. He's a billionaire with a B, lots and lots of money. And this week in the interview, he had the audacity as he was talking about how, you know, the NBA and Nike is expanding in the world. He said, I don't care about Uyghur concentration camps in China. He said, I just don't care about it. And he was shocked at the blowback he got. Because that's an example of someone who's caught up in the love of money. I mean, all he cares about is his billions of dollars where there's people stuck in slave camps across the world. Didn't care about it. That's the spirit of mammon at work. And Jesus himself said, you can't serve God and money. Let me tell you what else Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, in in verse 24. Uh, Jesus said, you know, he's talking to his disciples, he called them children. He said, don't place your trust in money. He's telling them that. Don't put your trust in money. When Peter was with a man named Simon the sorcerer who was obsessed with power, he saw how the Holy Spirit was manifesting and and he said, "I want that power and I'll pay you for it." and Peter said, "Your money can perish with you because your heart wasn't right in the sight of God he's trusting in money when you think about trust it's almost like this sense of security that you get you know sometimes people put their security in certain things your security might be in a relationship. That's why people will bounce from relationship to relationship and and, in different places because it it, it, you know they, they get a certain sense of security from that relationship or from a marriage or some people have their security in their work, their job, maybe the home that they own. Some people have a sense of security when they have money in the bank. Now I do like feeling that way. I like to have enough money so you know if we wanted to go do something we can do that and and But what I've had to learn is I can't trust in money. My sense of security does not come when I have money in the bank. One of my favorite Bible teachers, a man who was the founder of the Word of Faith movement. You understand people had to teach faith because everyone went through the Great Depression and everyone had poverty mindsets. And so this man, he said he was uh, preaching in California in between meetings. And you know he'd taken his family on a little... Camping due to re-travel in his camper, and so they were up there in the mountains. And he realized he had a couple hot dogs, and some beans. That's all he had. A wife, of a kids—they're up there in between meetings for a couple of days a week. Had no food, and so he just went to seek the Lord and pray. And thank God, he said. About two hours later, a man drove up to the mountains. He was a pastor friend of his, who had said that the Lord put it on his heart to bring him groceries. He said, "I go through situations like that where it feels." And that man, Brother Hagen, he said it was the most thrilling feeling. to to go through situations like that where it feels like you're about to come to the end of yourself and have God show up. He said, I wish all God's people go through something like that and find out just how faithful God is because you don't have to trust in money. You can trust in the fact that he's got you. He's with you. He takes care of you. And listen, Elizabeth and I, we've had to go through those moments, man. I mean, I went through some tight times having kids want income like that and I thought, man, the savings are getting low. Every time they got low, God stepped in. I mean, he's amazing. I've learned to put my confidence in Christ, not in money. Doesn't freak me out like it used to. Yeah, you know, uh, security is like this this emotional sense that people have, and sometimes people with with their finances that they, they respond to emotional things. That's why they make poor impulsive decisions because everything is governed by their emotions. That's why they maxed out the credit card because they broke up in a relationship and felt bad and went down to you know Dillard's and maxed everything out. Or they bought a boat that they can't afford because they're trying to feel good about themselves. And, and so sometimes people, they get themselves in trouble because they're trying to use money as a sense of security. Yeah. See, uh, trust would be like... You you trust something's integrity so you could put pressure on it. You could put weight on it and expect that it's going to hold you up like a chair. And sometimes people do that with money. You know, one of my mentors, a man I respected and was close to, he, he got caught up in a financial scam. And he was writing a book with a con man called Making Millions for the Ministry. And it was a total lie. The guy was stealing money from people and he didn't know it. And I remember just watching the pain that cost Because when you've invested and put your trust in something that falls apart, man, it, it was like a shock to the system. Nervous breakdown. I mean, it was a horrible thing. Think about where the world's at right now today. The whole world, the whole currency hinges upon the U.S. dollar. It's, it's a pivot point. And that dollar is really in precarious and shaky moments. Everything's pegged on oil and transactions. And so, When you print ungodly amounts of money like the Federal Reserve has done, the the net result is that you're going to be causing inflation. We're outsourcing inflation to the rest of the world. So when Kazakhstan's government starts collapsing and the Russians got to go in there, that's part of that. That's the reason why the Russians are at the Ukrainian border and people are talking about difficult things and situations. It's because of financial and currency instability in the world. The whole world system is shaking. Scripture says it's shaken. Scripture says it will be shaken. Scripture indicates that at one point there's going to be a globalized currency, probably in a digital form. You're already hearing discussions about that taking place in the world because the dollar is a depreciating asset. It's unreliable. That's why people are going to Bitcoin and things like that. And so when you think about where we find ourselves at this time in history in the world, it's like there's this this lack of trust in institutions. Things are being shaken everywhere. But you know what? I figured out how you can beat the system. I'm going to tell you, we're talking about mastering money. You can be blessed even in times of famine and difficulties in life if you follow certain principles laid out in Scripture. When Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His righteousness is His way of doing things. When you do things the way that God says to do them, when you honor Him and you put them first, He'll take care of you. Here's what happens. We live in a kingdom that's like backwards and upside down, which brings me to the third way, the third way you can master money. And I'm jumping back up to Matthew 6 and verse 3. He said, when you do a charitable deed, somebody say a charitable deed. When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, here is our third thought about mastering money, and it has to do with giving in secret. Listen, God sees secret things. He sees things nobody else sees. He sees hidden things, like the motives of the heart. He knows what's in that heart. He knows where your treasure is. He knows exactly what's taking place. So the, the idea here that Jesus is talking about is that you don't want to give with the idea that you're going to get praises from men from what you've been giving, And it's a funny thing because, believe it or not, I have met people who will brag about their giving. I mean, I had a guy one time, he would talk about how he gave X amount of money to the Lord, a year's wages, and he was always bringing that up. Every place he'd go, he'd talk about it. And then he'd say, you know, God owes me because I've given this. And, and I'm like, man, you, you have your reward Here for letting people know that you gave that amount. He's talking here about giving in secret. When you give in secret, when when you're a giver, when there's a generosity in your heart, what you're doing is you're relying on God's integrity to bless you. It's like sitting back on a chair and letting God and His Word prop you up and show that He's faithful. Because the thing about God is that He keeps His promises. He keeps them. He's faithful. You know, I was thinking about my father, who was a generous man and you know he was an attorney, and I'd come across people, even still today, I was just at a place like a couple weeks ago, and a guy said, I remember your dad. He gave a secretary of mine some money when she was in a need. And I'll hear stories like that, and I cannot explain it, but it's like, man, I just reap where he is sown. It's like God's faithfulness and his blessing from one generation to another. I'm humbled and blessed. I've had the opportunity to go to Israel twice for like Hardly anything at all, a fraction of the cost. Just incredible opportunities like that. And and man, God has been so faithful that way. Just I, I don't know how to fully explain that. That that God's hand and his blessing is not, There's just a reward when you give, when you put him first. And I, I think about, you know, the home that we're in. Elizabeth and I are remodeling, I was getting sheetrock up in my basement all yesterday. I mean, just working on it. And, and I mean, I, I tell people, you know, we moved into this place and, you know, it was a house by a hoarder, but God set it up. I can't explain it. It's going to be a great blessing for us. I'm driving a 2004 Chevy Suburban with about 197,000 miles. On it. And it's been one of the greatest things that we ever did was buy that old Suburban. The mechanic looked at it. He said, man, I don't know where you got this from, but whoever had it put new shocks on it everything's been serviced. He's like, this thing is mechanically in great shape. I've bought some lemons in my life, so I know what a blessing that is, man. I don't know how that happened. It was just God's hand. It was His his favor, His blessing. One time I was working at a car wash about this time of year. I was in high school, and I remember you know, on a cold day, there was a homeless man coming down the street with a shopping cart. And I I had a sandwich, a half a sandwich. I was full. I, I I thought I felt like I need to go give this man my sandwich and a couple of dollars for a soda pop and chips, and so I went down there and just you know gave it to him, prayed with him. Unbeknownst to me, one of the guys I was working with he watched the whole thing. He came back up to me. He said, "What did you do to that guy? Why did you do that?" And I began to witness to him about the Lord. I mean, opened up a great conversation. He was very attentive because because there's certain ways that God can bless you outside of money. Witnessing opportunities like that are great things. He he said, "I'll bless you in." If you give in secret, I'll reward you openly. Yeah. You know, one thing I love about our church over here, you are some of the very most generous people I know. And, and we, we are a generous church, man. I think about you know Bishop Ludi coming. I can't wait to bless him. We've been saving up even now to give to him. Uh, I have an opportunity into Paul, a great friend of mine that I met. And through a series of events, we want to help get him a church that we want to help build onto. We're going to talk about that later in the year. We've got a guy, Chris Michelson, in Pakistan. He's reaching some incredible places in the world, and uh, I just, I love being a part of that, and I can sense, I have this unusual sense that God is going to bless us in unusual ways that defy logic and expectation because of generosity. There's something special about giving in secret. Now, now I had a story I wanted to share with you about, about giving, and this is just something that was stirring in my heart as I was praying. that idea. God, God has ways of rewarding people openly. There's, there's various ways to interpret that idea. Some, some of it's like, you know, he, he's going to bless you, you know, so people see it financially. But, but one of the ways he might bless you is by giving you a sense of purpose and direction in life. Now, I, I tell you, if there's one prayer request people often want, they want to know, you know, what's my purpose? What's my calling? What, what is the direction my life should go? You know, when I was about uh, 18, no, had to be, I was 19 years old because it was Y2K. How many of y'all remember Y2K? Yeah. yeah. And my grandfather, we were, we were at his house in Bainville, which is like the Siberia of Montana. We're up there in North Dakota on the corner. It's, it's Y2K. It's, it's freezing outside. We had tons of canned food and guns. He was ready for global collapse. And he would watch every time zone. He was very disappointed when nothing happened. Because <laughs> he was ready. You know, so we were up there, and I remember during that time of year they had a, an annual praise-a-thon on TBN. I don't know if you remember that. They were having. And my favorite preacher of all the world, Brother R. W. Schombach, was up there preaching about his early days of ministry. I felt God calling me. I didn't know how it was all gonna work out. But that summer I had worked a job, saved up all this money. You know, from working. And I just felt impressed to give the largest gift I had ever given at that time. I prayed about it. I thought about it. You know what? I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sow. So I sowed the biggest seed in my life that I'd ever sown. I wiped out all my savings to give. And, you know, I didn't think much about it, but it was about six months later when God spoke to me in a dream that has really set the course of my life. I mean, purpose and direction. And to this day, I'm fully convinced it's because I gave something to the Lord 20 years ago. So I tell people, if you're looking for direction, if you need wisdom, if you don't know what to do in moments, I'm telling you that a seed that you sow, a gift, has an amazing ability to multiply something in your life beyond just finances. God will bless you. He'll take care of you. He's done it for me. I mean, he's, he, in, in incredible ways, but He can give you purpose, focus, direction. That's a powerful thing when you're locked in on what he wants to do. Now, I, for one, am just grateful that we can give and not have it be taxed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'd rather just give it freely than have it taxed. But I want to talk to you this morning. I want to ask you the question about your money, about your priorities. What are your priorities? Because your priorities are where you're spending your money. That's where the money is going. Is it written down? Do you have a clear plan on it? Is it something that you're aware of or, or is it just kind of just something that just happens as you go? And where is the Lord on that? Is he actively something, is his kingdom something you're making the number one? Are you seeking it first? Is it something that's so in, real to you that you that it matters the most? That's how that's how my priorities, I have my one priority is Jesus. I put him first. Mm-hmm. Oh. Maybe it has to do with trusting in money, though. I know people who trust in money. You know what the Bible calls money? It calls it uncertain riches. There's an uncertainty in riches. And especially in today's world, someone asked my grandma, or she, she asked someone one time, she said, in, in, in this world of ours, everything, you don't know where to put your money, the stock market, or real estate. And she said, Where should you invest your money? And he said, uh, In the kingdom of God. That, that that's where it's going to get the most payout. Yeah, or maybe it has to do with your giving. Uh, it, are you giving? Are you are you giving and talking about it? Yeah, because there's something special and sacred and secret about giving when no one else sees. That's what God looks at. He sees faithfulness at work in the lives of people. He, he can tell. He can tell. I, I just feel like God's going to bless our our church here supernaturally. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I feel God's blessing. I feel his goodness. I feel overflow and increase all around us. Man, I cannot explain this is the easiest thing. Money came to us in the ministry in such an easy way. I had friends who told me, man, you guys are an absolute anomaly. What's happened to you financially? But it really does come because of stewardship, priorities, and generosity, and the blessing of God. How many of y'all want the blessing of God in your life? I mean, I want the blessing of God. I want to pray there. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for great, great increase. I thank you for supernatural increase, head to toe, nothing missing, nothing broken. Lord, I pray over the people of God. I pray for supernatural generosity and discipline, the ability to be a giver, and the ability to say no, to certain things that may be hindering us or getting in the way. I thank you for people who put their trust in you, not money. Mm. And Lord, I thank you for blessing. Blessing, 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 blessing. Increase in Jesus' name. Man, when I was uh, I was praying about this this week, I felt like there's people who, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this later, maybe you're here now, but it's like you've, you've lost, particularly, particularly men. Uh, maybe you feel like you've lost out on some things that didn't happen for you. Things that, you know, you don't know where the money meant. Um, and I feel like the Lord wants to give double to his people. And if if you will open yourself up for dis- to be disciplined, to be focused, uh, to, to put God first, to honor him, he will give back everything you thought the enemy's taken. Because the enemy's a thief. And he says, if you catch him, you make him pay sevenfold. Mm. I feel like God's blessings can overtake us. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I was uh, I was reading this story in a paper. It was an African paper about a, a pilot. And he had uh, one of those Damascus road experiences. I mean, he saw a light. He, he got saved. And it was a glorious moment. I mean, this man, he went from never knowing anything about Jesus to... Being a Christian, he started a business. His business started getting blessed, and it put him in some circles with some people who were running politics. And, you know, he, he kind of liked politics, and, and so he started getting into that. They thought this guy's got talent. He started running and, and winning. And, and, you know, as he hung out with more politically minded people, then what began to happen was he gradually began to drift away from the Lord and until it got to a place where, you know, he, his family had left him, he was totally backslidden. I mean, he's hanging out with some you know, corrupt people. And and his life was going along until one day he was diagnosed with a debilitating disease. And he knew he was about to die. So the pastor told the story that he heard a knock outside of the gate. Because in that part of the world, they have you know, gated courtyards and they had a camera out there. And he looked on the camera and he recognized this man as a politician. He said, I, I know who that is. He let the man in. And as the guy came in and was coughing up blood, he was telling them that he gained the world and lost his soul. That's what Luke 12 says. What what will it cost a man, profit a man to gain the world and lose your soul? I'm telling you, your soul is a very valuable thing. It's worth more than money. And I just want to make sure that your soul is right with the Lord, that you're putting nothing ahead of that. Jesus is the first place in your life. He comes before everything, and you are of so much value to him in the kingdom. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to make sure that your soul is right with the Lord. And if you're not right with God, if maybe you've drifted, if that's salt and red, I want you to just put a hand up and I want to pray with you. I want to pray. You might know Him, enter His kingdom and a joy. Yeah. Amen. 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 All right. Will you stand up with me today? Boy, I tell you what. I... I just sense God's blessing in unique ways coming upon his people. If you need prayer for anything related to finances, if if you are going through a problem or need wisdom, uh, we are here to pray with you. Um, One of my favorite people to pray with about this is my friend Paul Walter over here. And uh, Paul, you've always been such a great example for me, uh, inspiring me, especially with what the Lord has done in your life and your business. And I'm just telling you, we got some people that will pray with you if you need something. Because this is one of the greatest needs that people go through in life. And, and I'm telling you, you can master money. It doesn't have to be a problem. And you know what? In, in uh, Wednesday night, in a few weeks here, uh, maybe into the spring here, we're actually going to have a financial seminar for people going through some problems. Because I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to live blessed by God. Amen. I've been blessed in every way. Let's just thank the Lord this morning. We thank you, Lord. And we want to be receivers of what you have. Father, I just thank you for your blessing in our lives. We claim it. We, de- we desire it. And We want it in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, thank you for coming out to Bethany Church today. We want you to, We value you. We honor you. We love you. And uh, if you want prayer, we're open. We'll catch you all next week. I would like to say hi to my friend Chuck. Charles, Charles come on back up here, buddy. I want to talk to you. Love you all very much.